As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It is one in the morning, and we got got a nice little podcast that's about to get going. Uh... Hopefully, we can be a little more productive on this one than the Wizards were in Philadelphia tonight. The 76ers just beat the Wizards 120-95 to in Game 2 of their first-round series. So Philly now has a 2-0 series lead on the Wizards. Game 3 back in Washington, Saturday night. And as always now, on the Skype line, the person who is, for all intents and purposes, my co-host, but in reality is just going to have to play second fiddle to me because it's my podcast and he's not the co-host. Ben Standick. Wow. Uh, I felt unnecessary. Um, <laughs> I mean, you could have just said this is the guy who who last podcast said they're going to lose this game by 20. You could say that. And then I you mean, told me to every... stop talking like that because like, I didn't want to, you didn't want to be sending anybody away. <laughs> every prediction that you've had on this podcast is wildly correct. And by the way, for background, I'm trying to get you to be my co-host and you're the one turning me down. So I'm getting defensive in anticipation of you just turning me down for a, for a 19th time. Uh, know, it's painful. Look, we can negotiate it right here on the, you know, on the, like, what's the, like, what are the terms? Like, what are the options? Like, what's the, uh, like, is, is it a, is it a, a two, two a one for one? Like, what's the, what's the deal? That's what's going to have to start happening on this podcast. Like, if the, if the, if, if this series continues to go this way, then on Saturday night, maybe we'll just do a, a mock, a mock Wizards After Dark contract negotiation for your contract. I mean, it would be embarrassing if people knew the things I would like actually want in there. But yeah, I'm cool with that. <laughs> I'm cool. It would be it would be embarrassing if people knew what I was actually only able to offer in there. <laughs> well, the, then there's then then there's that. Um, I like that. I'm, I, we've been talking over two minutes. We haven't talked about the game because it's probably other than the fact that I guess we said they lost by twenty or twenty five. Uh, yeah. Um, I I can't even I guess I can't even really get that worked up because I not saying I was like I definitely knew that was gonna happen but I, I was like yeah that kind of felt like that's what that was gonna happen and then a lot of other weird things happened and may, maybe most notably Westbrook um, hurting his ankle but uh, yeah I mean I, I I can't sit here and pretend that I'm shocked by anything that we saw today. 
Yeah, I mean, there was the Westbrook popcorn throwing incident, which I, I'm going to have a story. It's not up at the time of recording because I just filed it, but I'm sure by the time this podcast is up, the story will be up. Uh, and I have a story with all of Russell Westbrook's quotes about that. Basically, what happened was Westbrook was walking off the floor after he hurt his ankle in the fourth quarter. The Wizards were down 17 at the time. A bunch of fans were insulting him. I actually have in the story uh, things that were said to him. Uh, yelled at him from fans as he was walking off the floor, which you can read in the story over on The Athletic. All you got to do is sign up for The Athletic if you want. You can sign up, by the way. The $1 deal is gone. $1 a month deal is gone right now, but you can still sign up at theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark, and you can check out that story and read about that stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the two of us and everybody else is going to be on the same page about that. You do not throw things at an athlete when they're leaving the floor, it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and everything that Wizards players said tonight was justified and correct in my mind. Right, Ben? I mean, is that, do we have anything else to say about that? No, not really. Obviously, it's, you know, it's ridiculous. This has been going on in some, I mean, maybe it's, you know, I don't know if it's more or less than normal, but there's always been some, some, uh, you know, shenanigans and hooligans or whatever's going on. And I don't know, obviously, you, you know, you get a right to, to, to sit in your seat and, you know, boo and cheer. But, you know, beyond that, you know, calm down. Lighten up, yeah. Francis. Yes, for sure. Uh, the basketball stuff, Westbrook. Twisted his ankle, he said, multiple times in a short period of time, which is obviously not encouraging. I did not think he played well tonight leading up to that. He was 2 for 10 from the field. He wasn't getting to the rim. He didn't look explosive, and I'm sure we'll get into that. Beal had 33, and and Beal was really good. He's just been relentlessly attacking. He was incredible in the first half. He's been relentlessly attacking this whole series, and they got down so much that I think he just kind of lost his mojo a little bit. Um I mean, the Westbrook ankle injury and Westbrook in general, Bertans, by the way, had no points, no rebounds, no blocks, no steals. He was 0 for 4 from the field, all threes. He fouled out in 24 minutes. The, the, the Bertans stuff is, I literally wrote a story for yesterday morning about the Wizards X Factor being Davis Bertans and how... They need to find a way to get him more shots because they can't beat the 76ers if they don't pour in a ton of threes. And obviously, a bunch of other things have to happen, too. They have to get to the rim. They have to play great defense. The Sixers are just a really difficult matchup for them on top of being a better team. They're not just a better team. Their team construction is also a bad matchup for the Wizards. They need those extra points from Davis Bertown's threes. It couldn't have gone more the opposite <laughs> of the way that I thought in an ideal situation it would with Bertans tonight. I mean, my God, that was really tough to watch. I know I just touched on 900 points, but the Bertans stuff was tough to watch, right? Yeah, and, you know, frankly, I'm kind of over it. Like, from the standpoint of, like, money isn't everything, right? I mean, you know, he didn't tell the Wizards to pay him, and, you know, nobody necessarily thinks the Wizards have a big three, you know, but – he is paid to not be just a guy. And you can't just be like, well, how do you get this guy going? Like, he kind of needs to get himself going. And this is the problem, right? I mean, you know, we already know like, it's his big thing is the shooting and there's not much else. But like, boy, that really, really, is that it? Like, because if that's really it, if it's all about he can't get a shot off because the other team knows what to do or like, you know, he's like he can't contribute in any other way. 
I mean, you know, I, I think I've stated my case before that, like, they arguably should have, uh, you know, looked to move him last deadline and, once you know, they had to pay him once they did and all that stuff because, like, he's just not a third guy and, man, he's not even sniffing. I mean, I'm not even sure when's the last game he's played where you were just like, wow, okay, maybe I'm forgetting something, but, like, you know, um, yeah, it's rough. And I think, like, because Beal and Westbrook absorb so much of the attention and, the credit and therefore the blame. I mean, I think Bertan sometimes it kind of gets overlooked. Like, hey, he's not paid to just be a guy. He's paid to be really a guy, and he's not been close to that. Yeah, it's a huge problem. It's it's a huge problem. And, because and one, one, sorry, one other thing, just because uh, I said this the other day after we finished, and you're like, hey, dummy, why don't you say it on the show? I think, but maybe not the hey, dummy part, but um. Which is like he played twenty seven minutes last game in a point where like we we kept talking about how like who's their small forward and it's like well wait a minute why, why don't you just play him thirty three minutes a game like what is the deal you're paying him all this money he can't play thir- over thirty minutes a game in which he didn't have foul trouble last game this game he did he didn't have foul trouble and you have no other forward besides Hachimura like that you know what I mean like that that's not even a thing makes says kind of all there is I think about the signing right now yeah. I mean, the thing with him, which makes it such a problem, is that more so than any other player on the roster, one if you're a good enough player to make $80 million on a full contract, then chances are you're to a degree multifaceted. Enough so that there's this coaching cliche, God, I hope I haven't said this spiel on the podcast before because I know I've said it to people and I can't remember if I said it on the podcast before. And if I have, then I guess the listeners have to endure this this one more time. But if you ask a coach about Bradley Beal on a night where Bradley Beal shoots three for 11 and you slide in the phrase, Bradley Beal didn't play well tonight, the Scott Brooks or whoever is the coach of the really good player that you're asking about Almost always, it's this cliche with coaches, almost always like cuts you off and says, well, he did not play well. He just didn't shoot well. He played well, though. Look at all the other good stuff he played. He played hard on defense or he had five assists or he had six boards and whatever else. This guy played well. And don't confuse missing shots with not playing well because it's not everything. You're going to have nights where you don't hit your shots, but the other stuff is more within your control from night to night. And the stuff that is within your control from night to night, Bertans just doesn't do. All of his value is in making shots. So the he just didn't hit his shots tonight, that just it just doesn't work for him. It doesn't make sense for him. And you can say that for a lot of guys. You can say that for pretty much every really good player. You could say that for the vast majority of guys on 80 plus million dollar contracts. You can't say that for him. Because his value is in the actual hitting shots. And I understand, there. I, I, I think there's a call from a lot of people when he's having nights where he's either not getting shots off, which is not always 100% on him, but sometimes it is, or nights where he's not making them. And tonight, obviously, it was both. There's a call, I think, often of you got you to gotta sit him. Yeah, he's not giving you anything else. He's not hitting his shots, so you got to sit him. And I think the reason why he continues to play, and and I agree with this honestly, is Bertans has games where he starts off zero for four, and then he hits three at he hits three threes in a row in a three minute span, 
and those threes in terms of the way the defense reacts to them are worth like a million threes, you know? And he has those burst out moments. He had more of them last year, but it's not like he's incapable of them. Still shot almost 40% from three this year on eight attempts a game. Still very good three-point shooting season. Not good enough compared to what he did last year, but still very good, still very capable, and still very possible you can have a hot streak for a few minutes or something like that. So you you play the long-term percentages in that case. But that being said, like game three, game, game three is a kitchen sink game. That's, we're playing at home, we're down 2-0. If we fall down 3-0, it is over. No one's ever come back from down 3-0, especially not with home court advantage. There is no way we're doing it in a 1-8 situation. It is a kitchen sink, must-win game. Might as well treat it like an elimination game. Play Bradley Beal 43 minutes, do whatever else. If Bertans isn't hitting his shots, I don't think you can play the long-term percentages. Like, I think you just, in game three, Berton starts 0 for 3 from 3, and you're halfway through the second quarter. I don't know if you can put Berton's back in the game after that. I don't know if you can take that risk. Right? So I guess my question is, who are you putting in otherwise? Like, this is the problem with the team right now is, that like, they have, you know, whatever you think of Ish Smith or Neto, like, those guys have been, you know, solid in their own way over the course of, the whole season, and even here, you know, Neto's just you know he's in, he's used wrong as a uh, you know in the starting lineup. But that aside, he's been a good player. You have depth there, right? They have the three-headed centers. We've talked about that all the time. They're just light at the forward spot. I just don't even know who would use. I mean, am I going to give more minutes to Chandler Hutchinson? Uh, you know, I, I don't know what that's doing for me. So I guess I mean, that's you my could only- just put in Garrison Matthews. Bertans is the only reason Bertans is a forward is because of his height. Not because he does forward things. Sure. You know? Like I, I guess I'm just... Uh, sorry. I guess I'm just saying, like, I, I, at the, at some point here, I like, the... I wouldn't... I'm not trying to be stubborn, but, like, because the other options are so relatively limited, I'm riding Bertans because, if nothing else, he needs to recognize, like, you know, whatever happened, we, we need more from you. And if you have to get to some degree work, then we lose... Well, that's okay, because I don't really have anywhere else I can really go. I mean, if it's two minutes to go and he can't make a shot, fine. Maybe we'll do something different. But, like, I'm I'm going to ride him because this is why I paid him. I, I, I'm not going to Garrison Matthews, who was still in a two-way. <laughs> I just can't do it. I mean, I think it's that's reasonable. I don't think you're crazy for thinking that. I think over the long term, that's that's definitely the way to play it. But just in an elimination game, I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't have the trust in him on that night. When he's when he's over three, and you can go Garrison Matthews, you can go. Look, there's not a right answer in who you go. I mean, it probably depends on the lineups you're playing and all that. But I mean, Garrison Matthews, you know, is going to give you a little bit extra than just shooting, even if he's not making his shots, because he's going to be a really annoying defender, and he's going to draw an offensive foul, and he's probably going to get fouled while he's shooting a three, and. He might, you know, gamble on defense, but there's no scenario in which his defense is going to be worse than Bertanza's. You can play, you put an Anthony Gill, who, like, I don't know, Anthony, I don't really know if Anthony Gill is good or not, but there are things that he's solid at, and he's, he's a pretty reliable defender, and he might be able to just give you something. Well, I don't think me- he's going to back down from one of Philadelphia's big forwards if he has to guard him. Let me ask you this, and without getting into a long dissertation about each one of these things, what, 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 if you had to say what, what's Bert, is it why is Bertan struggling? Which of these things would it be? A, 
the coaching isn't using him right in some capacity. B, his teammates are not helping him enough. Or C, Bertans himself is just not playing well enough. That's a great question. See, you should be a co-host on this podcast. Uh, I would say it's Bertans himself is not playing well enough. Right. I agree, which is why I would keep him in the game. Because, uh, you know, he needs to do more. Like, it, as much as this is about these this game and the next game, it's really, I think, a lot more than that. Like, last podcast, I think I said to you probably afterwards, like, I was trying to, like, focus on the game itself. Because, you know, we don't want to, well, normally we talk about big picture stuff. We don't need to this time. This is an important game. It was a fun game. You know, the Wizards have been in the playoffs in a while. Let's do that. But this game, this game was kind of not much of a contest and it feels like the bigger picture stuff to me is is more pertinent because you know at this pace they're going to be out of the series unfortunately sooner than you'd like and then the questions are well what what next and if Bertans doesn't start looking remotely better here man <laughs> that is a bleak future it doesn't mean it can't change but that doesn't look good and then you know sort of Hachimura too we kind of will give we're giving him a pass because you know young first playoff and all that but, you know, he's he's had moments, but, you know, we're kind of waiting on him. But, okay, but he's still figuring it out. We can kind of accept that. But Bertans, I mean, you know, so that's why I, that's why I'm saying, like, if if, the, if you think it's, like, him, I, I, I'd, I'd screw it. I, we're we're going to figure this out, man. <laughs> I mean, we can't, we can't have you be on the bench. Hachimura hasn't been good in the first two games at all, I don't think. Uh, but he's been not good in an excusable way. He has a ridiculously difficult job. It's his first two playoff games. He is their only guy who has any chance at guarding a big wing and not looking overmatched either because he's too small or isn't someone who's supposed to guard big wings for whatever the reason. He is the only guy. He's the only one. And like game one, they just leave him out there on an island on Tobias Harris. They tell him to fight through everything. They tell him you're going to stick on Tobias Harris no matter what. Tobias Harris is really freaking good. Like that, that, yeah, I, I, he's, he's probably now that Mike Conley made an all-star team, he's probably, I wrote this very confidently the other day, even though I'm not a hundred percent sure it's true, but it's probably true. He's probably the best veteran in the NBA who's never made an all-star game. He's a really, really good player. Like it's, he should He's good enough to have been an all-star. I mean, he is really good. He's a consistent, ridiculously efficient 20-point scorer. It's not like he just chucks. He's ridiculously efficient 20-point scorer and a good defender, too. I mean, he's a good all-around player. And uh, that that's just he's just in a really difficult position. It's his second year in his first two ever postseason games in what is clearly an extremely difficult road environment after you know a season where they haven't played with fans and he's not even used to that I just I I think Hachimura has has struggled without question he struggled defensively he looks hesitant offensively he's not really moving he's had a number of times which he does often but I think he's done it a little more based on just kind of my uncritical eye test uh he there's just been a number of times where he's received the ball on the wing right in the chest and could go straight up for a three and he just hasn't done it at all. Uh, and I think he's, I think he's hesitant. He has a tendency to just kind of be a little, a little, uh, what's, what's the word? Cause I don't mean it in a negative way. Uh, I'm I, just kind of a little, he's a little loosey goosey, you know? And he has, he has that tendency to get like that. Uh, and, 
I think that just is coming through in his first two playoff games. And I don't think it's a problem, but it's a problem in that it's helping them lose. But with Bertans, it's like he's he's been bad in an unacceptable way. You know? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, you know, like I said, I mean, you know, no excuses. They're all, you know, whatever. But, uh, you know, yeah, Hachimura is it's. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, if Bertans can't be on the court for 32 minutes, even if he's not making shots, you know, sometimes that happens, even to the best shooters. Okay, but like you got to be able to stay on the court beyond that, and you know that's kind of where we're at. Um, what do you make of Westbrook's struggles? Well, I mean, I, I don't know, but I was this sort of I, I was going to make this point, so I guess this is my contribution to this. I guess I don't know what to make of his struggles. But what I do make is I can't remember if I made this sort of joke at one point here or or in my own head. I don't know. But like I, I think like Westbrook and the Wizards roster not named Beal like Westbrook is E.T. and the roster is Elliot. And how the health is the one goes goes with the other one, because, you know, I like last like I always believe that the teams take on the personality of the dominant figure in the NBA. That means the players. And like last year, I thought. Like Beal played hard, regardless of anything else, and I think the team it, it kind of did that as well. But now I think it's pretty obvious that Westbrook is that guy. Beal has played really well the last two games. He's played with a lot of energy, and this team, especially today, really just didn't. It just didn't feel it. And uh, you know, it was like it was like Beal and the team were on like different speeds or something. Um, and so I really think like when Westbrook, I mean, these last six weeks, I would you know. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's completely accurate, but with the games where Westbrook is firing on all cylinders, so do they. And when he looks off, they lose to Boston by 20. And this game, you know, wasn't like maybe as bad as the Boston scenario, but yeah, it was kind of off a little bit. So, um, you know, just yeah, just some things he does on, uh, you know, it's part of the experience, but it's, we're on the wrong end of it right now. So, yeah, but it just like the team goes as he goes, like almost all of them at this point. I don't know if it's because there's like a, a fear factor, like, you know, when, when your parent is, you know, is, is, is smiling at you, you feel good. And when they're frowning, they look, you feel bad. I don't know, but something's going, something is very, there's the relationship is pretty deep. It feels. Yeah. That's, that's the way of a Russell Westbrook team. That makes sense. That's a pretty consistent trait of a Russell Westbrook team. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I, I just think Westbrook has always struggled against two types of things in particular. You get like an elite, 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 top-notch rim protector. If oh. you're unable to pull him from the paint, it'll change how he plays. And, I, I, you know... Sorry, I thought when you said he struggled with things, I thought you were going to say with like things like conventional clothing. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a strength. Not a struggle. No, no. Uh, I think we're the I think we're the stragglers on that one. 
Uh, but with Russ, it's if there's a really top-notch rim protector, I, I, I don't think he's 100% of the athlete of what he was five years ago. I think we can all agree on that. And I think with someone like Embiid, that's just not a good matchup for him. That's, that's the number two thing that he struggles with. I'm going reverse order. The number one thing is long, quick perimeter defenders. Like if you put, there are some point guards who if you put like a beastly point guard defender on them, that's what gives them trouble. So you put like a Marcus Smart or you put a Drew Holiday. That's not necessarily the type of guy who is going to kill Westbrook. But if he goes up against the defense, even though Westbrook was not good against like Marcus Smart in the Boston play-in game, to me, the guy who really does it is the guy with long arms. And he's just had to face a lot of guys who were taller than him. You know, like when Danny Green guards him, Danny Green is a def- perimeter defender with long arms who knows how to do it. He's he's so much worse of an athlete than Westbrook. He's so much worse of an athlete than Drew Holiday or Marcus Smart. Um, but those those long arms, you know, they have so many guys, Tybal and Simmons, and the, the help is just killer, and he's not getting to the rim, playing with explosion. Uh, I just I think it's really tough. Their half court offense has really suffered. They are they are a hundred percent about transition right now, and that is the only way they're scoring is either in transition or if Philadelphia screws up in transition and doesn't get the guy they want. Uh, you know, don't get don't get their primary matchups or they don't match up correctly in transition and then maybe the Wizards take advantage of that. But that's it. That's the only way they're scoring. Once Philadelphia gets that defense set and they have the proper guys guarding the proper Wizards, like the Wizards are just not scoring in the half court unless Beal just makes some crazy move and is able to get into the paint. And Beal was great in the first half. I mean, he was so aggressive. He was attacking like crazy. He was hitting so many floaters. Like he was so good at just kind of getting into the paint and not going all the way to the rim, just like pulling up at five to eight feet and just kind of hitting those little floaters. And he was honestly spectacular. He was not good defensively tonight, but he was he was spectacular enough offensively that I thought he was a legit. He was a, the best player on the Wizards tonight, without a doubt. Um, but you know, when Westbrook isn't going, you know, I don't really know. I don't know what they can do. Uh, you know, they, they need him and Beal to have A-plus games, and they still might not beat this team. It's just it's a bad matchup and a much better team. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, West, Westbrook is just such, and this is why we talked about, like, you know, even when you're talking about the coaching situation, he isn't just a normal, like, all-star player. It's uh, the variables are pretty pretty interesting, um, you know, for better or for worse. So, um yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't know how much time we have left, but like logically, you know, well, so what can they do better next game? And you know, let's assume the Westbrook plays, and is you know relatively, you know, at normal, um, you know, normal levels. I, I mean, obviously, he has to just play a lot better, and I think everything, everybody else will will pick up their game from there. If the game goes more up tempo, um, you know, that's going to be better for a guy like Daniel Gafford who's running the court. Um, you know, it, good for Ish Smith as well. Um, you know, obviously, and hopefully, you know, the, the, the more you run the court, you, the more you get them in transition, and maybe that gets Bert, a guy like Bertans some some open looks rather than being sort of stuck in the half court um, all the time. Um, I think, 
I think, well, this is obviously the caveat is I need to know what's up with Westbrook. Um, but I think they win game three. Um, but I don't feel great and about anything after that. But I, I think they win one of these two games. So whether it's three or four, I guess we'll see about Westbrook. But, I mean, you know, the Wizards have, have been obviously really good most of the last, you know, six weeks, whatever it is. And, you know, I don't expect them to just sort of roll over here by any stretch. But, you know, um, it, it's, you know, they're just limited. If their two best players aren't playing well and they got to get some help from others, you know, it's just, you know, it's just going to be hard against a team like Philly. Man, you said you said last game that they would lose by 20. And then I said, come on, Ben, don't give the negativity. Hey, give the listeners reason to come back. Uh, I'll, th- this has some... I don't know if I ever actually made a prediction coming into this. I was thinking Sixers and five. Um, this definitely has some some sweep energy to it. Like, would yeah, you be shocked? No, I mean this why like the West. This is where the Westbrook thing is kind of everything. I mean, look, I don't know what the capital what will be arena will be like. Apparently, there'll be like ten thousand people there. That's going to be crazy. I, I think there's a chance both of us are going to be there, and I have no idea. I haven't been around that many people <laughs> in. Uh, in a while, even when I was doing some of the football team games, they you know largely were no fans at any of them. Um, you know, I was at an Orioles game a couple weeks ago, and you know there was some you know maybe it was that many people, but it was outdoors or I don't know. Um, so it'll be interesting, and I you know there could absolutely be that kind of energy could really help the Wizards. And if Westbrook is playing at his you know level usual you know high level of ferocity, I could see the Washington you know doing some good things. But you know if Westbrook isn't then. You know, I, you know, then, then that's a whole other story. Yeah. Yeah. No question. No question. You got anything else that you want to add? Anything you want to talk about? I mean, I don't know. I have nothing left to say about the center rotation. I have nothing left to say about, I mean, Brooks threw the, threw the same starting lineup out there again. I, I think it's plausible it changes for game three, but I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm... If I were running the Wizards, I would say, like I said, kitchen sink game. We're changing the starting lineup. We're getting weird. It is If it wasn't clear coming into the series, it is very clear that Philadelphia is the better team. And sometimes, rarely, and even more rarely after a 2-0 start, but sometimes a worse team beats a better team in a series. And the way that it happens is crazy-ass stuff happens. But you need to put yourself in a position for crazy ass stuff to happen as opposed to rolling the same stuff out. So to me, it would be throw out all the crazy stuff, throw out all the crazy stuff that you have. You got to run the annexation of Puerto Rico. Just throw out the crazy stuff. Even sports movies. You know, the, you know, the concept, you know, the Washington football team literally ran that play. What? They ran that. They ran that play this year and it worked. What? Yeah. No way. Uh, yeah, I will send you the uh, the the clips and the articles about it. Yes, they ran. I gotta point. I gotta start following football again. Right, or you could, or you could read the Washington football team coverage on the Athletic. <laughs> I could. Uh, yeah. Um, I could. I I hear the beat writer's not that good though. That, that I hear he spends. That, that is. I hear he spends all of his professional time doing a Wizards podcast. <laughs> right. It's it's bizarre. It makes no sense. Um. But uh, yeah. I, I I mean, like I said. I'm right. Kitchen sink. I'm with you. I'm putting my best players on the court for as long as I can possibly play them. That yeah, means I'm for, starting. Unless, Bert. 
Right. Unless that Beal mean, is in way more pain with the hamstring than we realize. Like sure, 44 right. minutes. Right. And that means I'm starting Bertans. I mean, I like you said before, he's not a, he's a forward by height, not by by stuff. But he's got. If I'm going to win this game, he's making four threes or something, and that's only going to happen if he gets going. Now, maybe if I play him, look, there's obviously there's liabilities on the one end if I play him, but on the other hand, maybe if he's out there with the best guys, you know, off the bat, I don't know. I have to do something. It's not working this way, and you know, in the best case scenario, he plays well and he's on the court from the beginning. I can play him maybe 32, 35 minutes because I'm not getting much from somebody else, but at least his upside's good. So I'm aiming for that, and he's starting for me. Yeah, I, I, you know what, I like it. I think it's a good point. Yes, yeah, start start Bertans. I, I just assume Gafford's not going to start. Somebody asked me, I did a live Q&A with readers on the site today, and somebody asked me, does Gafford or Thomas Bryant have the inside track to start next year? I responded, Gafford doesn't have the inside track to start this year. What makes you think he has inside track to start next year? So... I assume Gafford's not going to start because he hasn't done it. But but I, I'm with you. If you start if you start Bertans and starting Gafford would make sense. You get some room protection, you get potential fouls, and you get um, you know him leaving his feet and chasing blocks or or whatnot. I, but but you also get more rim protection. Even though Len's been okay, but you, you get more rim protection there, making up for Bertans having guys fly by him. Well, I guess also if you just want to set the tone, this is going to be a track beat. Then that's better going with Gafford. Um, yeah, you're risking the early foul trouble, but you know, at some point he's going to go up against Embiid, I guess. Anyway, but um, but yeah, I mean, if you want to set that tone, I mean, maybe then Bertans isn't ideal, but I still would say do it. But yeah, I mean, look, I, I said this to you during the game, watching Len do some decent things at the beginning. That the three centers they have, I mean, sorry, this is a cheap shot, I guess, but the three centers they have are all better than Jan Mahimi, and I only say that because like I feel like at times people are like. Um, like sort of look at Len, like why is he starting? I'm like, look, he's not Joel Embiid. He's not, you know, he's not a several guys. He's not bad. He's okay. This is not an ideal world. He wouldn't be your starting center, but he's okay. He does some decent stuff, you know, whatever, whether he was this doing in the first eight minutes or eight minutes in the second quarter, he's fine. He's doing some decent things. And, you know, uh, considering the, the post Gortat center play around here, um, you know, uh, these three guys are, are, are fine. They're not great. They're not Joel Embiid, but who is? Nobody. Jokic. That's it. Uh, what do you got to plug before we wrap up? Uh, Standard Room Only podcast. I'll have one out uh, probably Thursday. Um, I think I, uh, I interviewed uh, former NFL general manager Randy Mueller, and I did, Fred, I, I threw out a couple of my, if I was a GM, thoughts about how things work about Aaron Rodgers and Julio Jones, and he didn't necessarily hate my ideas which i took as a major win and a first step towards becoming a gm so i'm <laughs> kind of happy about that um and then uh, i wrote about the uh, ota on tuesday up on the athletic you can go read that great check that out ben does amazing work um and you're covering a wizards game this weekend right i believe i will be there for three and four unless uh the, the authorities decide i should not be around people i don't know <laughs> as will I we're going to be podcasting after game three how are we doing that if we're both in the same space that's a good question we'll figure it out maybe we could podcast in person wow wouldn't this that be is... wild Ooh, we could do it but we could do it like outside on the street and like get in the ambient noise yeah that would be wild in person conversation wow 
Talk about insanity. That is that is wild. Uh, well, we will be at. I'll be at game three. We're gonna podcast after that. We're gonna be back with a new episode after uh, after game three. Like I said, uh, subscribe to the Athletic if you want to read my stuff. I've been writing a lot during the playoffs. I've been writing a ton, not literally every day, but basically every day. I'm five five stories a week probably during the playoffs. Maybe six stories a week. I basically. I, I mean, I haven't. I've been writing on every single thing that I can because I know as a fan, I always want to read more when like the Yankees are in the playoffs, and it's not a thing that you get. And you know, you get an opportunity to actually write about basketball that matters. It's a lot more fun to write about too. So it feels a lot less like work. Uh, so it's 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 a lot more fun. Um, you know, I wish I wish I could do just kind of more unique things, but. We just don't have that opportunity. Everything is, even as the world gets better, everything is still over Zoom. We're still not allowed on event level. Everything is over Zoom. You don't see anybody in person. Uh, unless, of course, maybe you're doing a post-game podcast after game three. Uh, but I've been I've been trying my best to try to make uh, my coverage as as unique and fun and, and kind of weird and, and able to stand out as possible, adding a lot of analysis and all that stuff. And if you want to sign up for The Athletic and read that, Read Ben's great work, read David Aldridge, read the rest of our NBA team, MLB, NFL, everything else. You can go to theathletic.com slash wizards after dark uh, and you can sign up $3.99 a month. We're not doing that $1 a month deal anymore. If you signed up for it, I, uh, I hope you've been enjoying it so far. I think it's an incredible deal. I think it's a great product. I was a subscriber to The Athletic long before I worked here, uh, for like a couple years before I worked here, and I was thrilled with it. Our baseball coverage is insane. It is, our baseball team is ridiculous. It's just insane how good our baseball writers are. The basketball writers I work with are amazing. Uh, the beat writers, the national guys, it's such a good team. So you can sign up, theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark, $3.99 a month. Check that out. If you're not a subscriber to Wizards After Dark, subscribe to Wizards After Dark wherever you listen to podcasts. Tell your friends about the podcast. That's always a great way for us to grow. Uh, give us five stars on iTunes. Leave a written review. That helps a ton. I'll be back, like I said, after game three. Ben and I will be there with a new episode, uh, post-game show up for Sunday morning or something like that. I'll talk to you guys then.